And then I think, I, can't, I think it was $800 was the final bid. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I outsourced this for 250 Rand for the code. And that was sort of when I was like, okay, wow, it's actually possible to build and sell things online. In this episode, I'm talking to Rob Hope. He's a maker from South Africa and the project he's most famous for is a site called One Page Love. He's really a prolific maker. He has a podcast, he publishes a newsletter, he recently published a book titled Landing Page Hot Tips. He will soon publish a course, but really talk about all the projects he worked on in the past and why every side project he launched provided lessons for the next and how all of them helped him to fulfill his dream of quitting freelance. So let me know on Twitter at Jacob Greenfeld what you think of this episode. But now let's get into it. Let's hear it from Rob. Yeah, so it's really interesting because I was in bands back in the day, you know, during high school. And when you're in a band, there are elements of, you know, promotion online. And we had MySpace pages. And then you have to sort of code in your HTML banners. And that's sort of when you start, you know, dabbling online. But the first thing for me was when I stumbled upon Yahoo GeoCities. You know, for me, that was the first online website builder. And I built a website for a fishing contest between friends. We just wanted to try, like have a little ranking online and share some photos and like share the link with other people uh, and family and stuff. So I, I built this site. It was called the Lane Classic. And I remember I mean, the feeling was amazing. You know, like there it is. It lives. People are looking at it after hours it's just yeah so that was the first dabble online with making and then i guess you know i had i had a few side like little dabbles like ideas and so on but it was 2000 and when was it 2008 was the first time i ever created something you know that i sold and that's sort of when the bug bits to like you can make stuff and actually make money online you know everything in the past was just purely for fun but I built a site called Case Converter and it was an online tool where I would paste in all my clients' capital text and I would make it into sentence case. And yeah, it's, just, it's a very interesting journey getting there, but that eventually sold. And then I was like, wow, you can actually build side projects. And if you're not interested in them anymore, you can sell them and make money and then continue this journey online. So that's sort of where it all bit. And then yeah, it's many projects since then. Yeah, really cool. And when did you decide that you want to do this like full-time? Because as far as I know, you've been working as a freelancer for a long, long time, right? And yeah. So, so what happened is that you have the skill now that you, you, you can build websites and, and friends of friends are like, hey, Rob can build a website. Can you build my website? So that's sort of how freelance started. I remember I did my first website. It was for a surf school. And we spent like, it was me and a friend, we spent a month on it and we, it cost, we charged 500 Rand. So that was, oh, what's it? The euro. It's, it's, it was like 40 euro for, for a month of work at the time. But so what happened is that, you know, you charge more for the next one, then you charge more for the next one. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's me and a friend and we basically have a digital agency and it was awesome. You know, the best part about freelance that not a, not a lot of people talk about is that you get that deposit and I've like never heard of this person and they contact me at 12 in the morning. I send them a quote at 2 PM and then the next day I have 50% of that project deposit in my bank account. And I never heard of this person 24 hours ago. I mean, it's incredible. Cash flow is amazing when it comes to freelance. And that's why it's so difficult for people to 
take the leap out of freelance because and into making full time is because cash flow is not certain. So yeah, anyway, so we would we were doing freelance forever. And I guess over time you just say, Wow, you know, I'm dealing with all the client problems that everyone talks about. It's frustrating. Some clients are amazing, some are terrible. You know, you're doing it for the money. And then, you know, I would still be dabbling on the side. So I've always had the itch, you know, I would create the thing like Case Converter. I started the website One Page Love because I, I was trying to find references to single page websites that I could convince my clients that they needed single page websites. So it was to scratch my own itch. I couldn't find enough references. I started One Page Love. So I did that with so many different things. And I would start, I would start dabbling with monetization. You know, I put an ad there, I would have an affiliate product there and then, you know, spread over a lot of products. And then you, then you think to yourself, wow, you know, I, if I can put more effort into these, I can probably monetize them more because I'll probably add more value. People will return more. The traffic will increase more eyeballs, et cetera, et cetera. And if I can keep doing this, I can take the leap and I can get rid of clients. So that was the dream. You know, the dream was to say, wow, all I need is for my side projects to surpass my Cape town expenses. And I have an advantage. I actually don't tell this to a lot of people, but you know, I live in Africa and, you know, our currency is weak, but all my websites have a US and UK and European audience. And, you know, I make dollars and euros through my side projects, but I live in South African rands. So I only needed a little bit here. I'm, I can't actually remember the figure at the time. I think it was like, I need like a thousand dollars a month on, on my side projects to actually take the leap. And, and, you know, I, in the beginning, when I told people I took the leap from freelance, I remember people were like, wow, that's so crazy. Your sites are doing so amazingly well. And I was like, nah, I mean, I never really talked about the figures, but it was never as much. Like I couldn't live in London and, and have one page love back then. Anyway, I think that answered your question. I went on yeah. quite a tangent, but. It makes know. a lot of sense. And I think it's really amazing that you made the leap at just $1,000 where most people I would say that's just pocket change, whatever. Yeah, especially <laughs> in Germany, wow. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, life isn't that expensive here. So I'm also, my living expenses are also around a thousand bucks each month. So It's amazing. Yeah. In, in, when I went to Berlin last year, it, I was surprised. It was basically the same cost as living in Cape Town as of now. You know, Berlin was affordable. I heard it's, it's quite an affordable city though versus the rest. And I'm even in a smaller town of Germany, so <laughs> it's even cheaper. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, great. So, and one thing I noticed when I listened to your podcast episodes and you had a look at your project is that you're really, I would say, passion-driven, if, if that's the right word for it, because you probably know there are lots of people who are very analytic and there's all these discussions about you should focus on pains customers have and all this kind of stuff. But this is not really something you're focused on, right? So your approach, you've, you've, your angle is really a different one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it's, it's really interesting because I've gotten to the point where, you know, one page love, my main side does, you know, generate enough income to live. So now you ask yourself, okay, do I want more? Do I want to double it? Do I want to grow it massive and then hire a team? Because right now I'm at this level where the the income allows a lot of freedom and now you know i've it's been a long journey online and i ask myself often you know what do i want you know what do i want out of this journey and for me if i'm not being creative in my week 
I've sort of failed because when I'm creative, I feel alive and, and that's just the best part about what we do. So you'll often find is that someone who's got a side project and he's got a full-time job, but you, you find himself working super late on a Friday night on this little side project, even call it like a, you know, I saw one the other day, it was a concrete calculator. So you could, you could work out the, the amount of concrete you needed to fill spaces and stuff. But I could just see the way this, this guy built this site. He was loving it. It was <laughs> like passion went into it. It wasn't to make money. And that is what it's about. It's about identifying, you know, what motivates you online and making time for it. So when it comes to the podcast, like you were saying, I, I mean, this morning I was, I was working on a future episode and I was just mixing in music and beats and I'm trying to come up with new intermissions. And yeah, that, that podcast, is, it's got no sponsors. A lot of people say, can I please put an ad on the podcast? And I'm like, no, this is my passion. You know, this is, what I, I, this is my outlet that I get to create on. And I, I, I did a YouTube series. That was also heavy experimentation. And what I want to add here on the whole thing is that, you know, even if you build a concrete calculator, we're talking about a podcast, YouTube, all of them, was learning. It all was a different level of learning for me. And that is also when you feel alive online, when you stop sort of learning online, that's when I feel like things will become like a job. So with the podcast, I, I always question, you know, did I learn something new? Did I, did I ask a difficult question? You know, like I always reflect on everything I've done, sometimes rewatching the old YouTube videos. And that period when I was, when I was making YouTube videos, I was so creative and I was learning so much about video and lighting. And that's honestly the most alive I've felt working online. So to answer your question, I do a lot of things for no money. And those are probably my favorite things I do online. Yeah, you're definitely not um, optimizing for money. That's, that's very, <laughs> very obvious. So like you said, you have no, no sponsors and yeah. it's, it's even tough to find out how you earn money at all, right? <laughs> I'm actually working on a blog post because a lot of people ask me how exactly I monetize one page love and I'm working on an updated version, a 2021 version, just to talk about all the different income streams streams, because, you know, I'm grateful for a lot of people that have shared their journey online and sharing all their failures and what's worked and what hasn't. And I really want to give back on that one. So I've done it in the past and that was by far the most successful article I've ever written. Um, was just how I monetize one page love back in the day. But, but almost all those income channels have sort of changed and you have to keep iterating and adapting and closing down sections and so on. But yeah, how do I monetize? I mean, if that is the question, it's just, yeah, lots of different ways, you know, little trickles come, come in in all different areas. I made a big mistake back in, I think, 2016, where I went all in on one income channel and that income channel got closed overnight. It was an affiliate income channel. And then, you know, 80% of my income went, you know, overnight. And that was just a hard lesson. And that's a lesson I can tell anyone listening is that if you take the leap, you know, from a certain salary into building side projects, unless you have some sort of subscription, subscription income, you need to diversify uh, everything you're doing. You know, I can imagine, you know, even with COVID that happened now is that there were, some people would have made more money during COVID, but their other side projects and so on would have done worse. You know, that's even on tangible businesses. So yeah, diversify. And that's what I'm trying to do. I've got my fingers in many pies. Yeah. And I think one page love is probably your biggest success. So I would say this is really the happy end of your story, but um, maybe we should take a few steps back and talk about the journey 
as a whole and start with your graveyard because right at the top you've written that every side project I launched provided lessons for the next and in yeah. turn helped me quit free, freelance. So yeah, I would love to talk about the different lessons that you learned through different projects. So for example, I think the first one that you listed is Cardflare, which was wow. <laughs> somewhat um, similar to One Page Love, right? It, but it, maybe at least from the description, it sounds like One Page Love for business cards. Yes, that's that's some good research. And so, I mean, let's open it up here because this can combine a few of them. Is that you can see I have some sort of attraction to curating things online, and I'm not sure like what the deeper meaning is there. You know, maybe I'm frustrated in some way, but I, I did see online that some other site, I can't remember the name of the site, but there was another business card inspiration gallery out there and it, was, it had a sponsor and I remember it was making quite a bit of money at the time. And I remember going, wow, you know what? I've seen some amazing business cards. I'm quite, I, I'm quite fascinated with unique business cards. And I was like, I can actually do this. You know, like I can create a gallery. I've got enough skills from all my freelance work. And it's a classic lesson is that I created Cardflare and it started listing business cards and you just sort of, because you're not overly passionate about something, you, you drop off, you just lose motivation. And what will happen is competitors will come and they'll start, you'll, you'll start seeing them in the news or online and you'll, you won't see yourself. Why am I not getting featured in these are good business card you know, roundups and so on. So you sort of, you know, I call it the darkness it enters in. And I'm just thinking back, I'm like trying to pull this out. This is 2005. So this is 15 years ago. And I remember Cardflare just didn't get enough traction. There wasn't a lot of value. So we can talk about that as well. But I was listing an image. I wasn't exactly reviewing it. It was just cool pictures of business cards that other people took. Very low value resource. And there was a site, like I was saying, that did a much better job. They were adding more content than me. And I guess at the end of the day, they just, you know, they won. So with One Page Love, let's just go, let's just go to present day quick, is that One Page Love started in 2008. And I've been adding, you know, I've added, I think, 8,000 one pages to that gallery over the 12 years. And why it's the number one in the world for this niche is because I kept going. I mean, I want to, I want to tell you there's a lot of, lot more secrets to it. And the, the big one is I kept adding value, which we can talk about just now. But the fact that I kept going is the reason why I'm number one. And people know that, Hey, I'm going to keep going back to that resource. So what will happen on Cardflare? Stopped adding to it. You know, there's no new inspiration and the competitors, they keep going. So that's a massive takeaway and everything I've done. Boardflare would have had exactly the same stuff. I would have added a few surf things, skate things, snowboarding but no real value it's just a picture so it becomes basically pinterest you know what what makes mine different than another resource so anyway with one page love i had this passion for single page websites you know solving a problem with one page like uh, like promoting a service all within one page and that was it's actually quite difficult to do when you can pull it off all within a short manner, you know, that's a, a classic decluttered web page, straight to the point. And I was so drawn to how other people are doing it. So I started collecting resources, but over time, I kept asking myself, how can I add more value to this resource? And this is where the, 
the kicker uh, comes in when it comes to growing an online community is when you ask yourself, how can I add more value to the visitor? That's when your resource starts becoming a place that people return to. So how do you add more value? I started adding longer screenshots, not just thumbnails. I started adding my opinion on it. I started adding tags so search results are better. I started, you know, adding better categories, trying to under, speaking with the audience, trying to understand what their, their pain points were. What are you trying to find out? And they're like, no, we want to find more app one pages. So I create the category. So I just continuously asked that question for 12 years. And that's why one page love has grown to what it is. But when it came to card flair, like how much value can I add for, to a, a business card? And unless I'm so passionate about it and I'm talking about, oh my word, look at, the, look at the thickness of this paper and it's made with like crushed eggshell and all this, <laughs> all this like kind of weird materials. It, it's, I don't think it's going to last. So that's the, the second takeaway here in this whole journey is that I feel if you're going to try and make a quick buck on something you're not passionate about, you're probably not going to last the long journey and the long journey is the one that's worth it. It's always long game. And how do you do that? You identify your passion and you just got to work on it all the time. So why did Carflare die? I guess I wasn't that passionate about business cards. I didn't have the motivation to add content all the time there. And, and adding one pages is easy for me. So yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah. But just started a really similar project shortly again, or maybe at the same time called Card Panda. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that, that's like basically the variation of that. So that's so funny because oh, that one's actually so classic because my, my cousin, um, Jake in New Zealand, he is such a great illustration and he's, and he, he made me a print of a panda <laughs> and he, it was so cool. I was like, wow, I want to use this online. So I thought, wow, what do I have in my, in my graveyard of stuff? So I tried to resurface card flare as card panda and that was a very quick and short you know it says 2006 to 2008 it, it, it not a lot of content was added there it was more for fun on branding the card panda it was just to integrate a new color scheme try and be creative but you are properly failed on that one and if you if you go further up you'll notice i have hustle panda and that's in 2016 so we're talking about eight years later And I use the same panda. Um, yeah, not a lot of people know this, but I, I swear it's weird. So I have this Dropbox folder of so many unlaunched projects, unfinished illustrations, ideas, sketches, and they haunt me at night. <laughs> and this one was when I was, because I wanted to start a, a resource to help people get uh, .coms, very short .coms for under $1,000. And I was like, wow, what do I have? I got a panda that, that is unused. So I'm going to call it Hustle Panda. And that's literally how that happened. And then, you know, my design skills were much better in 2016. So then I got, you know, color schemes and branding and I got to integrate some copywriting. But yeah, that was also a proper failed startup that didn't really make any money. Hustle Panda. <laughs> really? Even though it yeah, was old then? Yeah. So, it, it, so what actually happened is that, you know, I had... So, I mean, let's give some context here is that, you know, I, through all my side projects, I identified how difficult it is to buy a short brandable .com domain. It's, it's so difficult and it's getting more and more difficult. And I'm just one of those guys who doesn't really like .co domains. And I'm not going to go with other, many others. I always start with searching for a .com. So I have a few domain filter tools and I had a few alerts going on and I found, I thought I had a bit of a, 
an advantage over other people looking where I had all these filters in place that I would get notified when a really short.com would kind of come on sale. And then I literally, it's like, it's not really to resell because here I'm talking about every domain on the site is under a thousand dollars. So maybe it goes for sale for 500. I'd try and buy it and then sell it for like 800 or whatever. So yeah, for sure it was to make a bit of money. But what happened is that I listed, I think maybe, I think 20 or 30 dot coms that were semi brandable. They were, they were all kind of pronounceable, no hyphens, no numbers, just dot coms, fairly short. And through, once I launched it, I was like, wow, why are no, no people really taking to this or sharing it? And I realized that, you know, you can't just come up with a brand name that's so neutral, like a Yahoo or Google that doesn't really mean anything people have an idea of what they want when it comes to a domain and arriving at your resource, which has got sort of pronounceable names that don't have anything to do with my niche. It isn't so attractive. So yeah, that was, that was a lesson learned. But what I did when I sold it, I sold the whole resource with all the domains to someone else. He's like, Hey, uh, what did I do? I said, it was a guy. He, he's like, Hey, are you willing to sell this? And, and I just sold them all in one go. I, I, I honestly think he gave me, $2,000 for all of them. You know, some of those demands were, you know, like $50, $20. I had, I had some okay ones, but I think that my biggest one was 500. So yeah, the whole thing. And it was, for me, it was a declutter. It wasn't really working. I was like, cool, next learned off the plate. Let's continue. So that's kind of my attitude with this stuff is that I don't, I don't want it to sort of slowly die into nothing. I'd rather clear the plate, let someone else take it. And um, if they can do a better job, then wonderful. Yeah, awesome. Awesome story with a happy end. And the site is still online. I, uh, I checked that. Yeah. So it's, it's still, still cool because... I mean, that's a what, good thing. Yeah, because uh, what often happens is that people sell these sites and they're quickly shut down afterwards. So for whatever reason, okay. and I've, I've talked to quite a few people and it's very often this kind of story that something gets bought and then shut down. And they, they, they have no idea why. So for example, Mops told me about this marketing stack site that they bought, built. Mm. This site on Product Hunt with like 5,000 upvotes. And it was bought and then shut down. So <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if they just bought it for their email addresses. Email addresses, yeah. But all the CO juice, uh, SEO juice, right, is, <laughs> is, is, is going to nowhere. It's really strange. So if they would use it, then at least for that, right? So... I've so interesting. Is it redirecting somewhere? That, no, that could be a strategy as well. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. That's, that's, that's why it's so strange. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it was quite a few of Mubs projects. It was um, the story. Mubs has got how many projects? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> yeah. But wow. um, imagine what his domains renew. He must have a domain renewing every day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely crazy. And yeah, I think the, the, Hustle Panda idea was pretty cool. And I think there is a similar business that makes a lot of money. It's called Brand Bucket. Do you know that? Yeah. One? So they were, yeah. they were an inspiration to launch Hustle Panda. But, but what you'll realize with Brand Bucket is that they're just targeting a much more premium user than I was. And they, I mean, they've got massive power domains there. Very short pronounceable.coms. And I, I kind of have this inkling that they have like one sale a month that's massive, you know, and then that pays for like kind of the renewals and so on. I mean, they are, they are doing an amazing job. I know that Invato, 
E-N-V-A-T-O, who own Theme Forest and all them, they were bought on Brand Bucket. So that's a massive success story for, for them as a, as a testimonial. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. So if you can identify in your side project or if anyone's listening who's considering something, if you can save anyone time, that's really what it's about. So I was hoping to save people time. There's definitely value there because searching for a .com is a very dark process. I've, I've spent, I don't know, I want to go as far as saying months of my life looking for demands. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I was to use the timer, like, it, like, are we talking, you know, how many years of, of side projects here? I've spent a lot of time. So, so what I feel where Brand Bucket probably offers as well is that they're probably bundled in social handles and they've got sort of a logo and they've got a story. Even, yeah. A story and, and you're going to come out with a, a brand of off the bat, whereas mine was just a .com and there's no matching social handles there, which is a mission on its own. So if you can, if you can create a resource that offered matching Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, and a .com, that's massive time saving for, for someone and there's a huge amount of value in that. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. And <laughs> so you always use .com, so you never switch to something like .io. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at this list. So I built a, a responsive website tool where you could just see what it looked like on mobile. And this was in 2013. And that was, oh, that was also .com. It was, so it was ponsive.com and I used the subdomain res. So it was responsive. <laughs> really I was just trying to be cheeky. <laughs> yeah. So .co.za was modern optimist back in 2006. But everything has been a .com. Wow. I actually didn't really realize that. Oh, no, no, no. I got a project called Audio Notes which is .es and I tried to buy the .com and the guy replied and he's like, no, that's way too low. And then I was like, well, how much would you be willing? And then he, he sent me just like X's as placeholders for um, how many he'd be <laughs> at the size of the figure. And it was, it was five X's. So it was, you know, $10,000 plus for audionotes.com. And yeah, I mean, Audionotes is a free app. So there's just no ways. And I quite like the short domain audio not.es. It creates a very cool URL shortener. Yeah. <laughs> I've also noticed this. So the domain business is really <laughs> a tough one. It's wild. So, yeah. And I'm, I've, yeah, I've already uh, used .io and .co just because. <laughs> I've got an upcoming side project launching soon called chl.st. So that's also not a .com. It's, a, it's basically a free checklist generator online. And I've been using it for a while. We, we're, in, we're in like sort of an alpha now, uh, me and this guy, Kelvin, my friend Kelvin, that we've kind of partnered on this. And it's also, that's a .st domain. So we've got a really beautiful checklist shortener URL, which is chl.st. But also the checklist space we discovered is so dirty. There's so many poached and squatted checklist domains it's insane they must have massive seo ranking or, or value or something but mm -hmm. wow and and all of them if you're considering buying a domain with checklist in it it's just you know ten thousand dollars and plus everything absolutely there's a few hundred thousands in there uh, must be a massive space but yeah we we actually come to think about it um on a tangent we're really struggling to call it something because we've got the url shortener for our checklist app so it would be you know c hl.st forward slash like a YouTube sort of slug at the end there. And 
that's all very well. But when someone tells you about it, what are they going to tell them? Hey, I'm using this great checklist app. And then what do you search? You know, do you call it Rob's checklist app? Uh, so we, we spent, we spent hours and hours and hours, uh, uh, definitely days looking for checklist domains and we aren't dead end. We actually decided we're not going to call it anything and just see what happens. Yeah. Then maybe let's get back to, to the chronological order because I saw wow. a site, I'm seeing a site here called famous gingers. <laughs> so what's oh, the man. story? <laughs> I, I was hoping, I was hoping you're going to, you maybe skip that one. <laughs> no. So that was that. Yeah, I'm pretty embarrassed about that one. I actually whipped out a screenshot the other day because someone brought it up and I'm definitely not sharing that screenshot online. Yeah, I, this was, call it a, very, a dip in my journey. And, and what I did is I, I for fun, because you know, we used to, it was quite a funny thing online at the time, I think. And this 2005. And I would just wanted to create a one-page website where you would arrive and you would sort of like vote for your favorite famous ginger celebrity. And then it would collect everyone's votes and then just tell you who is the most famous ginger person in the world. <laughs> a word, I can't even believe I did this. And I never properly launched it. Um, it's like I had, it was sort of there. It sort of worked. I, didn't, I was too embarrassed to tell people about it. So yeah, that just closed down. But yeah, we can talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, maybe something you're more interested in talking about is Modern Optimist, which um, you launch quickly afterwards, which uh, sounds something like you want to talk about. It's described as yeah, so, positive South Africa news. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this, is, this is such a cool interview for me because I'm actually reliving a lot of this, which I, I don't often to talk to many people about. But you know, living in South Africa, we, we bombarded with, you know, bad news. We have heavy contrast down here in South Africa where you can have, you know, the best day of, of your life, you know, just hiking, you know, surfing, just magnificent views, meals. And then the next day, you know, there's a billboard on when you walk into the shop and like they found a baby in a dustbin or something. I mean, I'm telling you, it's so hectic in this country. There's such a huge contrast and yeah, we have such problems. So, you know, everywhere I look, it was just negative news. It's just click. I mean, this is before people used to talk about clickbait um, headlines and stuff. It's like dread. It's honesty. So I stopped um, paying attention to news because it was too depressing. And then I saw, I had a friend who was a copywriter and I was like, dude, I actually want to create a resource online where we can start speaking about the positive things in South Africa. Just anything good that's happening. Let's do it. A WordPress blog. I think I paid him like 50 rand an article, which is worth three euros or something. But this is way back then. And he would, he would just like a couple paragraphs and we put it out. And I, I can't remember how big it got to, but we, I think I had Google AdSense in there. It was making like no money. And it was like, it, it was, I was still kind of stoked I did it though, man. Just, you know, expanding my skills in WordPress learning, you know, about ad placements and just learning that content game. It's so difficult. How do you monetize a site like that? It's just, it's like creating a new site. So, and you, and the big takeaway here is you'll be surprised how people aren't looking for positive news. You know, there are a lot of these resources out there. I subscribe to this uh, one resource called good, good, good. And it's great, but it's people are drawn to drama and controversial news, gossip, you know, celebrities breaking up with each other. It's like, that's what we're drawn to as human beings. So yeah, the, the traction there is like people are like, yeah, 
that's nice, but it's got no real attraction in my opinion. To be harsh on it, so yeah, close that down. That's why everyone is doing the bad stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. Crazy. So, and then came your first monetary success. So at least a little yeah. bit case converter, which you already talked about and which you then sold. So, so I can add, I can add this that, you know, I created case converter to trance, you know, to change the case of this client documents. And I never really intended to sell the site, but then I heard of the site flipper F O I P P A. And I was just, wow, I was like, wow, people are selling side projects. You know, I'm not, I'm not exactly, you know, I'm, I'm fond of my side project, but let's see what happens. You know, let's just see. I don't, you know, I use it every now and again. And I think by the time 2011 came when I sold it, you know, I was maybe using Word a bit more or, or online documents. But in 2008, it was a little bit more difficult to convert case. So I wasn't using it that much. And I was like, let's, give it, let's try our luck online. And I was, I was away in Mozambique on a holiday and I put it up and it had no reserve because I really just wanted to see what had happened. And then I think, I, can't, I think it was $800 was the final bid. And I was just like, whoa, you know, I, outsour I outsourced this for 250 Rand for the, for the code, which is, I mean, that's not a lot of euros. And then it made <laughs> 800 US dollars. And that was sort of when I was like, okay, wow, it's actually possible to build and sell things online, maybe full time. And it opened my eyes to a few things. You know, not that I want to be a serial maker that just buys, you know, buys side projects, fix them up and sell them because a lot of people do that. But that for me was, was a real eye opener and like a cool part of my journey. Yeah. And how, did the site make any money? So because it sounds like a really simple tool with no monetization. Case converter. Yeah, exactly. Zero monetization. It Crazy. just had organic, <laughs> organic Google rank for the term case converter. Which, was, which landed up being quite good. But I think the person who bought it saw potential in putting, I think, there's, I think that site now has ads on it, hmm. if I remember correctly. So I think they now make a sort of a passive income per year on that thing. So if, I mean, in hindsight here, if you really want to break it down, you know, Case Converted costs $12 a year for the domain. The hosting's pretty much free and the outsourcing was 250 Rand. So if I kept that to this day and had ads on it, maybe it would have made more than 880 US dollars. I don't, maybe. Uh, maybe, and a layer of passive <laughs> income. But I'm not the biggest fan of putting ads on resources yeah. like that. So I, it, it wouldn't have made me, it wouldn't have sat right with me. So yeah, I'm glad I sold it. And how much traffic did it get? So, I can't remember, remember at the time here. Hmm. It'll be on Flipper somewhere. Oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> Can, can do the research. And then you started a project and I have no idea what it's about. It's called Bands on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> Again, wow. a curation, so, curation product. <laughs> lists. This was crazy because, yeah, this was actually wild. You know, I'm obviously obsessed with music and I, was, I played in two bands and, you know, I listen to music all day. Is that, you know, Twitter started and you know, I didn't know what bands were on Twitter and I wanted to follow my favorite bands. So, you know, I guess, you know, Twitter at the time didn't have a, an artist search or something like that. So what I did is I started an account and I think it was called bands to follow. It was at bands to follow. And all I did was let out a tweet that said block party 
is on Twitter. They're a UK indie band. Like that's all I said. And I grew that account to like 20,000 followers in, in 2012 because people were dying to find out what bands on Twitter. This is actually, this is the craziest story because I mean, that sounds bizarre right now, but that, that was such a, I think it was 20,000 followers. And then sort of all the bands were on Twitter. You know what I mean? And then there's nothing really more to report other than very small, you know, bands. And then I tried to monetize it. I think, I think it was like $5 a tweet, but the bands were smaller and then it, it's, it's got less value. And then I sold it. Mm-hmm. I sold it to a friend here in Cape Town. Uh, I think I sold it for like for a hundred bucks. So yeah, that was, that was done. So yeah, that was an interesting one, but like crazy how there was such a demand and I didn't even have a Twitter strategy other than tweeting when a band would sign up. I would literally just see it on Twitter or on the news and I'd be like, Hey, Hey everyone. So people would follow this account to be notified. And so it's, it was really just a social media handle that you, that you sold. It wasn't, it wasn't a site. It was just a, it was a, it, I actually owned the, the domain bands on twitter.com. Uh, And I've, I, that got bundled in, but that didn't have a website at all. It was just a link to the Twitter account. But I think in hindsight, what I've learned is you're not allowed to own a .com with a brand name in it, like Twitter. So I don't think anything could have come out of that for the person that bought it. Because bands on Twitter.com, I think is a, it would have a trademark issue with yeah. it, if I'm, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Because all the, all the Twitter tools that are... Um, being built by indie hackers are not called something with Twitter in it. So they all tweet something <laughs> or even something completely yeah. different. So they, everyone is careful and probably for a good reason. <laughs> totally. And, totally. And then you started a blog again, but this time about just design and it sounds yeah, so like a predecessor to one page love just without the Yeah, focus. so what's, what's really interesting is that what I actually need to add to this graveyard is some sort of context on everything that's still going because, you know, One Page Love started in 2008 in this journey. So what I think happened here is that in 2008, I started One Page Love and then in 2011, I started a blog called Design Dosage. And the niche of One Page Love is obviously one-page websites, single-page websites. And I think it started to get baby bit of traction. And I was like, well, you know what? I have clients. I see a lot of design every day. I'd like to curate great design. And that's why I started design dosage. Um, I actually teamed up with a friend on that for a while. And then I think I gave it to him. He redesigned it and then it sort of just faded away. I'm trying to remember why that I sort of stopped. I actually think it's because one page love started to actually get even more traction that I was like, actually, Uh, it's design dosage is not niche enough. Uh, if you want to take a takeaway from this, you know, starting, starting any sort of resource online right now, you've got to aim niche, something you're passionate about, but niche identifies your community online. You get that slice of the internet versus trying to target um, a broad topic like design. Like what is a design blog right now? It's too much. It's too much. So I think that's what probably happened in my mental space then is like, I'm actually not offering anything different than anything than anyone else. Yeah. So then I gave it to a friend. Really cool. So, <laughs> but uh, it trickled away that or fades away. Yeah. But happens, right? <laughs> so, but then yeah. uh, another blog, but this time about music, a rock lifestyle. And yeah, just so, a co-founder. Yeah. So this was the big one because... Here I am doing freelance 
I have one page love trickling along, you know, getting a bit of traction and, you know, I'm excited about the online space. And then a, a client of mine who is based in the UK, who's now like a dear friend, my, my friend, Liam, he approached me and he said, Hey Rob, I really enjoyed working with you. Cause I built a website firm back in the day. I'm trying to remember the name now of his site, but it, it had some good traction. You know, he had a PDF that he was, it was like an online magazine, music magazine, and it got tons of downloads. And I was the one who helped set up his website. And he's like, dude, I want to create, and it sounds so ambitious in hindsight, but he's like, dude, I want to create Facebook for music. That's what, like, that was basically the premise here. It was a music social network. Okay. And he's like, I want you to be part of the team. So it was him, his friend, Andy, and myself, the three of us. And he's like, we're a team. We're going to start a music social network. So, you know, in hindsight, a huge mistake. None of us were coders. I could just do basic code, but we're talking about a social network here. And I did sort of the front end, the design, you know, he was gluing it all together. And then our mate uh, Andy was in charge of call it the um, sales and admin and stuff like that. And we got, we sort of put up a prototype, like we put together a little wireframe and so on. And then we got this outsourced and it worked, you know, like we were having like, you know, this sort of alpha worked and we, we then like got the code inspected and it was super cheap code from somewhere. In, I think it was India was our first time we got our code done, uh, dropped all our motivation. And we're like, cool. Now we need, we have to get investment. We have to do this, this properly. So we landed up, you know, I'm talking suits, Heathrow, green tea, meetings, business plans. I mean, I'm so glad this part of my life is over, but at the same time, I'm so glad that I experienced this to know that I don't want to do this. But yeah, we got in investment. So I was a co-founder of, call it a startup, which was trying to be the Facebook for music. And yo, now we had some capital. So our second bout of outsourcing was done to a company in Canada. And we were so young, we, were, we had no experience you know, the investors, I think it was, you know, family friends of, of one of us, you know, one of those guys. And in hindsight, you know, we were trying to build the end product in the beginning. You know, we're trying to build the social, like we're trying to build Facebook off the start. We have no audience. We have no experience at all when it comes to this stuff. And project creep, we just keep creeping. We'd keep adding more stuff for the Canadian company. They would give us a like sort of a demo, sort of sort of like buggy. We're like, this is not enough. Things sort of crumbled. I'm trying to remember how this all happened, but what actually happened is that we're like, cool, we have to, we have to try and get it out there to get the brand going. So what we did was is that we started a blog just on music. And this is absolutely what we should have done from the beginning before creating the social network. Is that we started a blog just to do with rock news. And we started roundups and this is the, the golden age of stumble upon and, you know, dig and all those sites. And we did one roundup that was like the top 10 women in metal or something like that. I remember that it was something along those lines and dude, it, it went viral here. Yeah? All those big sites um, picked it up. Like I'm talking Reddit page one, stumble upon page one so much traffic. And I remember like, I think the investors at this time, 
we're stoked, you know, like we've, this is the right way to do things. But then it was like, yeah, we try to replicate the success of the article. We made more roundups, more roundups, more roundups. And I'm almost thinking, I'm trying to remember why the, the actual network closed. Just not, an, not enough traffic. It's like there just weren't enough people at the end of the day to start a social network. So we pivoted. We're like, okay, cool. We are going to start a sub-brand called Rock Sampler. And what this was is that bands would submit their um, songs and people would vote on them. And then the best songs would be included in a sampler that people uh, would download. So it would be a good way to discover music. So this is 2011. You know, it's just the in industry is so different right now when it comes to streaming and so on. But this was a great way for indie bands to submit their tracks and be discovered. You know, you'd be featured on the sampler and the sampler is what we distribute to everyone. So anyway, we did that for a while and that's sort of where it pivoted. Then I think through all the stress of the investment and trying to make this work. Uh, one of the founders had left and then it was just me and the, and the one guy. And then it's sort of like the motivation dropped. The numbers weren't there stats dropping. I mean, this is the classic story of a startup, but I'm trying to remember exactly why the social network side of things faded. But I think it's because we pivoted to the sampler and then the sampler traffic died and the blog traffic died. I considered continuing rock lifestyle myself just as a blog, but writing about music news after this whole journey is your yeah, mental space. You don't want to be in there. So yeah, sure. Jacob, that was quite a, quite a little nostalgic exercise for me, but yeah, that was my f first and last uh, little bout with getting investment. Like a really startup thing. Yeah. And the rest were all like indie projects. Let's call it that. Right? Indie projects. Yeah. They, they were easy to launch. The big takeaway there is you need to ask yourself, how light can we launch anything? Get your first users, see what their problems are. And once you've really validated, you've got a strong community, then you can launch something like a social network. I mean, a social network where people have to sign up and chat to each other. Like that's, yeah, that's something that is difficult to do in the music industry. I mean, what exists now in the music industry that's a social network? It's, I don't even know. MySpace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that died many, many years ago. Uh, is it, isn't it still alive? I think it's still online. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the MySpace as we know it. No, I, don't, I don't even know if people are interacting there anymore. At least I know now one who uses it too. Yeah, I think you've then also sold quite a few of your projects afterwards, right? Like the yeah. responsive web tester that you mentioned, a blog. Yes. And a so, the, the, yeah. so the so the site minimal with three M's, you know, that was a passion for minimalism. We just wanted to start collecting articles, our favorite finds. It was my mate D Rock and myself, and we, yeah, we that was a that was cool because we just love minimalism. So here we are, just blogging about it, collecting references, writing about it. No real intention to monetize and i swear that's the takeaway here as well is that those are probably the best projects when you're not monetizing it and then that grew that got featured on i think google plus once uh, that just got big traction and people <clears throat> people also are drawn to minimal design it definitely was a hot topic at the time it's good niche and then what did we what we saw at this time which i'm going to include i'm just going to jump to the next step is that we, Derek and myself, we started a, a side project called Theme Cobra. And Theme Cobra was actually an effort to monetize the minimal sites in a better way than advertising. So 
what a lot of people don't know is that we heard about WordPress themes and how people were doing. And we created a WordPress theme called Simply Delicious. And it was a very minimal site. You know, we had minimal our blog to promote it. And it, we were like, cool, let's give it away free. Let's see what happens. Again, no monetization, you know, planned. But it took off. And I feel like that's also a takeaway as well is that, you know, when you release something for free and don't ask for anything back, people actually take to it better. Um, they're like, wow, and they, and they share it more and so on because they can see there's no uh, monetary incentive here. So what happened is that Smashing Magazine picked that, that theme up and it got included in the top, the top WordPress themes of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. No, maybe it was 2011, like right in the beginning. But that just blew up. So many downloads, thousands and thousands of downloads. And then, because it gets reshared. So Smashing Magazine picks it up once and then everyone reshares these roundups on their own, his own blogs. So what we did is that our free theme called Simply Delicious, we created a pro version called Deliciously Simple. And it was just you know, dark color scheme option and a few other minimal things. And then we started to, we started to sell those, you know, because the freemium model is so wonderful in the WordPress game, you know, thousands of free sales and you're getting a conversion, you know, every, whatever, every hundred you're getting a sale. So that sparked off like, wow, maybe we should actually start making WordPress themes. And that's where theme Cobra kicked in. We were like, let's make a proper, you know, theme company because minimal is actually a blog and maybe a blog can't be a WordPress theme company. Maybe people won't take it seriously enough. It's also probably a classic overthink, but uh, yeah, we started theme Cobra. Derek and I, we built out a few themes. It made a bit of money at the end of the day. It's just so much work support. We hired support as well. It was also a nice part of my journey for hiring people, good lessons, but yeah, we sold that eventually. And was was it really a big success or was it just okay? And you still did uh, freelance work at that time, right? So yeah, so so this is the whole thing is that you know throughout this whole timeline, I almost need to redo this graveyard where it shows how long one page loves going along the side, <laughs> and then how long I was freelancing for, and like do some sort of infographic. But you know, here I am. I you know all these are bonus income because I've got clients, but at the same time, you know the the more people downloading a free WordPress theme that turns into premium sales. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm out surfing and I come back and I've, I've sold two WordPress themes. That's an amazing feeling. And that kind of opened my door to how, wow, maybe we need to have 10 WordPress themes and then we can make 20 sales when I'm out. And obviously it's not that simple and not every theme is a success. A success. You know, we try to go pretty niche with a few themes. Not all of them did as well as the, as some, but uh, yeah, the takeaway here is that freelance was supporting all these side projects. Like we could get experimental and they were all fun. Uh, you know, Derek's up my design game. You know, he's the, he's the one I attribute, you know, where I learned design principles pretty much through Derek. He's an amazing designer. So I was coding everything, coding all the themes and yeah, that was our business. So that was a partnership, but yeah, no regrets. And, uh, you know, the freelance, I, it, we didn't have to make the WordPress company work. I guess you could, that's also a takeaway is that maybe if we had to make it work, we would have gone in harder. But Derek's also, you know, Derek was getting San Francisco salary at the time. He, he was making so much more than the theme Cobra was bringing in. So, you know, why would you go all in there? 
And then how did the sale happen? So did you again try to find the seller by listing it on Flipper or? Did you yeah, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And yeah, the sale was cool. You know, I, I can't remember how much we, I think we worked out what the minimum we would sell it to actually show everyone around a theme company because that's lots of hours. You know, there's, it's like there's code, there's different ways things are sold. But it, I can't remember how much we sell it, sold it for. I think it was like $8,000 or something. Maybe that number's wrong. But uh, yeah, it's, Flip is interesting because if you have a cool looking brand that's got some traction, you can get yourself into a cool situation where people are having a bidding war. And they're sort of like trying to outbid each other. And then you're getting a lot more than you thought you'd get if it was just one or two buyers. So I think that's what happened with Theme Cobra is we actually had two or three people that really liked the brand, thought they would take over a, a WordPress theme company. And then they started to outbid each other like in the final hours and it ramped up big time. So that was quite exciting for us. Yeah, cool. I just had a look and there's one post where you said that you made around $500 per month at the time with... Um, for Team uh, Cobra, uh, that you made it per month, so with Team Cobra, and I'm not sure okay. how much you eventually made. Uh, I need to sign in. Okay, <laughs> that's just an estimate from. Is, the is this on? Is this on Flipper? No, it's on poststatus.com. Not sure. Oh but, really? Wow. Yeah. And okay. I can't. I can't access the the listing. But <laughs> okay, I'm. I'm gonna try and dig it out on my side on Flipper. I haven't logged in Flipper. Flipper is a very dangerous place to hang out. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tempting stuff and it also, it makes your mind go crazy inside project possibilities. Okay, so I've, so according to uh, my Flipper history, I have sold nine side projects and I've sold a hundred percent of everything that's been listed. So, I mean, for, for full transparency here, we sold... A case converter for $805. Bans on Twitter for $150. Responsive.com, so rest.ponsive.com, $500. That's quite interesting. Then the minimal website, the blog of minimal design, that was $5,000. And then Theme Cobra was $8,250. And designdosage.com in the end that blog that I started years ago here I just sold the .com for $20 and then and hustlepanda.com was $2,200 for all the domains it included 30 domains awesome 80 bits. yeah sure that's yeah that's the full breakdown here really interesting though um, yeah well I haven't I haven't opened this in a very long time so so quite interesting, Case Converter uh, sold nine years ago. Monthly revenue, $0. And monthly uniques was 21,000 unique at, in, in 2011. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Not too bad, yeah? Yeah, it ain't so bad. What a journey. Really cool. So, and then I guess slowly but steadily, One Page Love started to take over, right? Yeah. So one page love at this point, I'm trying to think when I actually quit freelance, I think it was 2016. Yeah, I said that. Yeah. So hit delete was my, my digital agency with my friend Andy. And then I sort of just took it on over by myself, but I actually own the .com, hit delete.com, the 
handle hit delete and I really want to use it for something. I absolutely love it. But the, the time will come for a side project to do with hit delete. But so what happened is that 2016, I think, you know, I talked about, you know, thousand dollars is the amount I needed. I don't know, maybe it was like one, two or one, four, but I, I, I remember it's like, you know, making money with freelance is X a month. And then my side projects making X. And I literally found that the more I worked on my side projects is the more I could monetize them, add more value, get people coming back. And I took the leap at the point where I was like, cool, it's, I'm all in now. So yeah, that was an amazing um, feeling. Now it's side projects full time and yeah, still failing, still learning. I started a WordPress theme company again, but just for one page website themes, which I thought I could promote using one page love quite well. But you just start learning with, with WordPress and one pages is that, you know, WordPress is a lot to do with blogs and pages. And most of the people who would ask for the one page templates were like, can I also add a blog? But we didn't want to support blogs. We didn't want to support plugins. We didn't want to style comments. So we had a very minimalist attitude to this. And we decided, my friend Manu and myself, we're like, hey, we actually don't want to play the WordPress game. It's just that like, yeah, one pages are great. There's ones out there, but if we're going to have to support everything that WordPress does and changes, it's not really worth it for us. We've got lots of things on the go. And then there was obviously the hustle Panda, which we talked about. And then full single was just a plugin using page builders to create, you know, landing pages and so on. But it was, it literally was just a whole bunch of skins using existing landing pages. So you would install the plugin and then you could just choose which, a landing page template you want those those are in abundance right now that was full single and then i try to create a one page template uh, gallery so this is interesting because i already had one on one page love a one page template section which gets a lot of traffic every month and i thought I, so someone went up to me and said hey i've got one page templates.com and i was thinking wow that's actually a massive keyword that i rank for and he, he, uh, he offered it, I can't remember how much it was at the time, but I bought it for $500 just so no one else could create that, you know, com competition. And I just redirected it in. But at the time I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a resource that only lists free templates. And I, I did something unique there and it was unique. You could scroll and browse through things, but it had no real differentiation for how one page love does its templates. You know, one page love's got premium templates, free templates, and here I am splitting my time on another resource where I should just be making one page love better. I mean, that's a massive takeaway and all this stuff. I, I have that recurring question that happens to me probably every morning of my life where it's like, why am I working on the side project when I should just be making one page love better? And it's because that's where my motivation lies. I like starting things, call it shiny, shiny object syndrome as well. But you know, these things excite me, you know, so I eventually merged onepagetemplates.com back into one page love. Yeah. So, wow, that was, that's the journey up until the moment of yo. Exactly. So it's another thing on your graveyard, your YouTube channel, right? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah I searched for Rob Hope on YouTube because I, I heard about your experiment with YouTube and then I wanted to see your videos and search on it. And the first thing you find is some women, just stomping or crushing things with her feet. It's super strange. It's like crush, crush fetish feet. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's I really, don't know that 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 could, <laughs> that could be your crash fetish algorithm playing its part. <laughs> no, no, no. I I I, I changed. I, I I checked it in the clock in the incognito mode. Yeah, of, of course you and, know. And <laughs> I hope that's not so, your secondary account. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So so I mean to not. To not go too deep on, on Yo. So what happened at this point is very interesting on the journey. And this is, this is worth talking about is that, you know, the whole dream was to quit freelance. It was to work on my side projects full time. And a lot of people listening now will be thinking, wow, you know, I'm so close to quitting. I've got some traction on my side project. You know, I can't wait. You know, that's all I'm thinking about right now. And they go all in and they make it happen. And that's incredible. And that should be celebrated and it's literally in a, it's an incredible achievement in your life to be able to create a, a life for yourselves self based on something that you thought up so what happened is i got there and this is classic you know i work by myself we you know the people i surround myself we not we not ashamed to talk about you know mental health and you know we call it the darkness it's the it's the overthinking of just everything and what happened with me with One Page Love is that, you know, I was, you know, had affiliate income and, you know, I've got this passive income and, you know, my passive income was pretty much at the point where it's more than my Cape Town expenses. And I got to the stage where I could, you know, walk to the shop and, and I always use this analogy. I could sit on the side of the road for four hours and no one would even call me or like ask me for anything. I didn't have to do anything. And that's a real weird place to take yourself. So a lot of people ask themselves like, hey, you know, I'm trying to create the side project that's going to create freedom. You know, do you want an hour of freedom a day? Do you want a, a day of freedom? Do you want a week of freedom? Do you want months of freedom from your side project? And what happened was, is that I, I got to a complacent place where I wasn't learning anymore. I wasn't challenging myself. I wasn't working on anything new. I call it, I almost got lazy. I was like just coasting, you know, working on, you know, adding one pages every day and still loving it, but I wasn't challenging myself. So what happened was it was 2018 New Year's Day, 1st of January. I just woke up and I said, you know what? I'm going to do something that terrifies me. I'm going to start a YouTube show. And I, I, I didn't even know how to use a camera. So I was like, cool, I'm going to learn lighting. I'm going to learn how to edit, I'm gonna learn how to film, I'm gonna learn how to speak to a camera, I'm gonna learn how to like stitch together graphics and music and stuff. Anyway, so every single day for 30 days, literally I said, you have one month, the 1st of February is when the first episode's gonna launch. And yeah, that was probably the best month of my life when I look back at this whole journey because every single day I leveled up considerably in, in what I was doing. So I would look back at the day before and go, wow, dude, you knew nothing yesterday. You knew nothing. And then the next day I would think the same about the day before. And I did that for 30 days in a row. So yeah, it's quite funny because if anyone's out there considering to do a YouTube anything, it'll absolutely kill you with the amount of work it takes. No one has any idea how much it takes to make a YouTube video, especially a show where I've got edited scenes, graphics, music, and I'm doing it all by myself. But what happened is that after 30 days, I showed my friend Steve, I was like, Hey dude, this is my pilot. I haven't showed it to anyone. I've just like been in my own head for 30 days. I'm like, dude, just please, can you just watch it? And like, I'm going to launch it, I think in two days. 
I was like, dude, I just need you to just like look at it before I do this. And he looked at it, he's like, dude, what you've made is absolutely insane that you did this by yourself. And also considering I know you, known you my whole life and you don't even know how to use a camera, it's incredible, but your audio is so atrocious that this cannot be this cannot be put on the internet. So he's like, what's happening is that this is echo bouncing around my baby little office. And he's like, what you need is a lapel mic and you just need to re-record. So I, straight away, I borrowed his lapel mic, just put it on my collar and I read the audio and it was like chalk and cheese difference. And if you're ever going to do a YouTube show or a pilot or something, it's incredible how much better the second take is. So I, I already had the show edited and was ready to go. And then because I just re-recorded it all, I knew exactly what I had to do and it was very, it was much easier, but the quality was infinitely better. I look back at episode one now and I'm like, that is so bad still. So the pilot before that must've been absolutely horrendous. <laughs> but yeah, the, what happened is that I put myself out there. I was vulnerable. I said, guys, I'm starting a YouTube show. It's going to be weekly. It's called Yo. It's all my favorite things online. And I put it out there and I think it got, I think like 2000 views and, the first day and I got, I swear I got like 200 comments or something and people were messaging me, uh, flywheel, uh, the hosting company, the founder, Rick, he messaged me. I swear he messaged me like an hour later after the episode came out and he said, dude, this is so sick. We want to support you. L let us know like how, like, and we got chatting. They're like, rad. We want to, we want to sponsor. I think it was 20, eight episodes they were like we want to sponsor and I, I mean i just i literally just you know like you know 35 days ago or 30 days ago i can't even use a camera and now he's like we want to sponsor 28 episodes and they gave like a number and i was like whoa that's crazy because then i can finally buy some good lights so the whole thing was rad because it was sort of bootstrapped borrowed a camera borrowed everything and only once i got it out there i had earned uh, the reward of buying the gear. So that's a takeaway. If you want to say is that you don't, please don't go all in on a YouTube channel by buying your gear before you've made a video. It's like, yeah, just earn that first. And so, yeah. And, and what happened is that after I think, you know, 16 episodes in a row, you know, every episode took like 40 hours, I think, you know, of scripting, editing, lighting, re-recording, whatever it's, it was so long. What happened after I think I started feeling burnout big time. And a good way to prevent burnout on YouTube is set yourself an end before you start. And that's one thing I didn't do with YouTube is I just had no end in sight. So here I am on 16, 17, episode 22. I'm like, I don't know when this is going to end. It's like, I'm feeling so, so knackered. Yeah. You know, and do, and then the numbers were sort of fluctuating. I think I was getting like a thousand plays an episode. Yeah, it was a weird place for me. And I, again, when I was uh, creating the show and where every day was better than the last, those 30 days before I did episode one and how much I leveled up my skills, which was incredible, I plateaued on my skills. It started to become a job again because now every episode is sort of polished. I'm not being extra creative. And yeah, so I called it a, I called it a day on, I think it was Yo Halloween. It was like the... Yeah, that was what I, I think that was the final episode, the season finale. Or oh, I can't remember, but it was around about then. That was the most fun I ever had was on Yo Halloween. Loved that episode. And then I called it a day on 30. And I was like, guys, I'm going to break it up into seasons. 
this is the end of season one. And then I took a proper break. And, and, and when I reflected on how much I worked, I was like, you know what? This is absolutely insane the amount of work for, for what I'm doing here. If I was to do a season two, it would only happen if I grew my YouTube channel to like 100,000 uh, subscribers. I mean, after 30 episodes on YouTube, at like 40 hours an episode, I had like 4,000 YouTube uh, followers. So, I mean, that's very low numbers on a YouTube level. So yeah, that's how your darkness creeps in hard is burnout, no end in sight, lots of work with not a lot of growth. That's what one will tell you. Like if the, if the subs are going up a thousand every episode, that's will probably help your mental space. But yeah, so that sort of pivoted into, I was like, cool. Well, you know, then I tried to, uh, I kept it going for everyone who was following, you know, lots of people love the YouTube series. You know, I still get messages about it, you know, a lot of core followers, and then I was like, to keep it going and keep sharing my favorite resources, I started the Yo newsletter. And that's kind of what I've still got going right now. And then eventually I was like, well, I actually want to interact with lots of guests online. So I started the Yo podcast. And this right now is like my creative outlet. I collect all my favorite stuff. So robhope.com forward slash Yo. Every two weeks, three weeks, I send just my favorite uh, finds online. And then every month or so, I interview a guest on the Yo podcast and that's just my creative rad space uh, that I really enjoy. So yeah, wow. Quite a, quite a journey. Awesome journey. Yeah. And this is where you are now, right? You have your newsletter, your podcast, one page love. These are, and you also have email love, right? These are the. Yeah. So uh, email love is just sort of the sister site of a one page love. Cause you'll notice the similarities between landing pages and emails. You know, it's, you know, one call to action, good images, to the point, copywriting. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, throughout this whole journey, you know, I've been researching emails, you know, looking for references to send my own, you know, every single side project involved some sort of email marketing. So I thought, wow, I've learned so much on one page love. I can replicate this into email. And that's where I'm right now. I'm literally just collecting emails. Uh, that site's not really monetized. It doesn't have like a ton of traffic. Um, it's long game. It's always long game. If any other stuff I want to take away is that it's long game, nothing happens overnight. You know, people are like, wow, Rob, you work on one page love full time. Are uh, you so lucky? I'm like 2008, <laughs> 8,001 pages. You know, email love right now. It's like, why is that not earning a lot of money? It's like, well, I add one email a week and it's like a year old. So yeah, we'll ask that question again in, you know, five years time. So, you know, what's the rush? It's always long game. Really amazing though. Yeah. Your yeah, Overnight success took 12 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one classic. One. Really, really inspiring and awesome. So I had another question that I just forgot. <laughs> so yeah, another thing I want, oh yeah. What I wanted to ask you is that two developments I noticed through your journey is that you switched more towards like a per building a personal brand instead of yeah, branding different projects. And also you made the leap towards your own like digital projects now with your, with your book, with your course that, that is coming out. And is this a same kind of learning that you've already made or is it just an experiment? So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a super, super good question because I, I'll be completely honest with you. And I've gone in circles for, you know, five years on personal brand, you know, call it imposter syndrome on one page love, but 
you know, a lot of people, you know, no one page love and then they discover me, but a lot of people, you know, yo was me. So I was thinking, you know, do I want to, you know, be collecting one pages forever? You know, do I want to sell one page love? I don't know. You know, I've had offers on one page love, like quite a few, but right now, you know, I've come to terms that this is what I like doing. You know, I'm in the middle, so to speak. I'm, you know, every day is motivating for me. So I don't really want to change. Also, you, you know, COVID, you can't look too far ahead. You can't, you can't plan too much nowadays. So it's always short to medium term, you know, realistic goals, but you got to think long-term, you know, you got to aim long-term, you're in it for the ride, the journey. So when it comes to personal brand, I went down that road of saying, you know, am I this landing page, you know, advocate, and, you know, will I consult? Do I want to speak about landing pages? And then, you know, one page love is sort of on the side. And then eventually everything happens on my own.com. And I sort of went that way. I started writing articles on, on robhope.com, which I've removed now. I was originally promoting my course on my own site as a Rob Hope uh, course. And yeah, I've just gone full circle so many times. And the, and you know, you look at a guy like Jeff Sheldon from Ugmunk and you know, I'm wondering why he doesn't do stuff on his own.com and why is it under Ugmunk? You know, there's so many different use cases for this, but for me, I'm sort of content now that all things to do with landing pages and one pages are just going to go down on one page love. That's where they live. That's where my ebook will be sold. That's where the course will be sold. And it gets to keep Rob Hope. It can be anything it wants to be. So if I one day wake up and I'm like, I actually hate landing pages, which is very unlikely. But if I do do that and I want to get into something completely different, I get to keep, you know, Rob Hope is my project building. It's not exclusive to landing pages. You know, you won't sign in on robhope.com to go get your course stuff you know that'll be sold and and separate on one page love so i feel like that's a healthier ecosystem you know when it comes to yo yeah that's sort of i actually had yo one you know during this whole journey yo was on one page love because i was using it to leverage the traffic because one page love's got so much traffic i was like just that's a smart move but then i had imposter syndrome going that's that's cheating you know people are here for the one pages <laughs> But now I just promote every podcast I get out. I link to it from one page love and it takes to the personal site. It's a, it's a deep question for me and I go in circles and I don't really know the answer. And I think the way you answer that is by doing. So I would literally put you on one page love and how did it feel? And I was like, it doesn't feel so good. Bring it back out. So what I want one uh, robhope.com to be is a place to share my journey, my failing, you know, like G vouchers, which we didn't talk about, which is fine. You know, I created a, a gift voucher site. I'm closing it down now. But what I want is I want to do a postmortem. I want to do a debrief on why I closed it down. So I, you know, obviously all these sites in the past, I don't really want to go through each of them and write a long blog post. Now I've got so much more stuff to focus in the future. But all my current projects I'm working on, I want to say, you know, this is the new branding I've been working on. I want to give back as someone who makes online. And I've learned so much from other guys building, you know, with their transparent articles and so on that I feel like I can take what robhub.com people can follow my journey building and they can learn from my mistakes. So yeah, that's where I want to take uh, Rob Hope's blog section. And then yo is just there as my creative side of things. One page love is landing pages. Email loves there. So yeah, that's kind of the, the organic network. 
how does personal brands go? I feel like I want people to know me more than one page love, I guess. And then if you, if I start getting into more side projects, you know, you'd follow me and it, it doesn't be like one page love launched another side project. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And, but still one page love is really what fuels currently all your other projects, right? It's, it's the biggest thing. And as you said, you used it to drive to, to kickstart your podcast and really cool because yeah. Of course, many people have tried it the other way around to first build a personal brand and then use it to sell products. You started with your product and use it to build your personal brand. But either way, it works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, that's well observed. Yeah, it's like one page love. I would hope that if I ever sold one page love, I'd still you know, have a lot of people using my other projects. You know, I give, you know, almost everything that I build now, it's like I must be using. I'm not building anything to make money. You know, it's a bonus if it makes money. I'd love to make money from them to, you know, allow me to build more and make things more sustainable. But, you know, my side project right now is, is email love. And email love is a collection of good looking emails at, that I use to reference when I'm creating my own emails. So I'm using my own resource. I've got a side project called Audio Notes. And I, I use Audio Notes every single day of my life to send people audio I send them feedback so I don't have to write such long emails. I send audio in Twitter direct message. I send audio in emails. It just sends a short link. So yeah, I use that every day. And then the next one, my next project, which is the chl.st is a checklist maker. And I, I included eight checklists within the ebook. I give private critiques to people on their landing pages. And once I, I give them a video recording and so on, what accompanies it? a checklist, an interactive checklist. So, so on one page love, when you submit your site in the future, it's not that live now, but what's going to be in the web page before you submit a checklist. So it's like every single thing I'm working on now is sort of reused within my network stuff. Everything's very organic. That's why it's, it's, you know, all these things are green lights for me to work on. If anything, You'll notice in everything I've done here, nothing was really to sort of make money. I mean, the Hustle Panda was an interesting one, but that was more like to scratch an itch and use my cousin's branding. But, but yeah, you'll see. Yeah. So those are my side projects. They all sort of complement what I'm doing. And I'd love to be in the, in, in the phase in the future where I could say that my side projects, you know, make as much money as One Page Love. So I don't need that one as much. Because right now, like if One Page Love went away, I would probably have to start freelance. <laughs> yeah, this is um, also something I wanted to ask about because one page love heavily depends on SEO, right? It depends on, it lives with Google traffic, right? This is what keeps it going. And I had a look and there was a really sharp dip in traffic in like 2017, uh, 18, at the beginning yeah. of 2018. And I guess it was just a Google changed something in their algorithm totally out of your control. Is that right? Or did yeah. you, did you screw up? Well, yeah, that, no, that's good. That's good research. So yeah, that was hectic. And you'll, you'll actually read up on a lot of inspiration sites. We dealt with a massive dip, you know, in, I'm trying to think of the traffic now, but I know, I know for sure a hundred thousand people arrive every month. I know that according to Google analytics, but in its prime, it was like 13,000 people a day. That was one page love in its prime. And Google sends, I think 
20,000 people a month just to our free template section. So just to that page, just looking for free templates. So if you search like free one page template or something like that, or one page template, but yeah, it's interesting because I think that the algorithm was tweaked and, you know, Google does it, I guess, for its best intentions, but things didn't really die down. So I almost feel like a lot of the bad traffic was, was filtered out there. You know, I've, I earn money through, you know, various ways now. So again, you know, if I, if I was only relying on templates, for example, that would be a, a huge moment in that dip, but I diversified a lot of things, you know, maybe I had sponsored articles at the time, some affiliate income, but yeah, based on, you know, one page love relying on Google. Now I'm trying to add more value, you know, to one page love by starting to add some of the articles that I'm extracting from my upcoming course. Hopefully that brings in more traffic. You know, next up on one page love is most likely going to be a subscription to add your template to the, to the archives. So if you want to sell your templates, you'll pay per year to list there. I made a massive mistake in the past where I would review your, your landing page template for like $20 back in the day. And it's, and it's been getting sales for like six years and that's a once off payment. And then it got, eventually it, it got to, you know, $100, which is still too low for something on a lifetime value. So that was a mistake. I've got lots of ideas. I'm also considering maybe launching a premium newsletter to do with landing pages, just a, a place that you'd, you'd pay annually and then you would just get a digest of just really good, valuable landing page advice. I still not green light though. That's just in my uh, idea book. But, but to answer your question is that I don't want to rely so much on Google anymore. I'm almost, I was almost considering and still am considering removing Google Analytics from One Page Love. It's just because there's, not, there's no decision I make that is based on analytics at all. You know, even during that dip, it was just, it, if anything, it just made me feel shit versus like, hey, well, you know what you have to do. You've got a good resource of landing pages and how do you keep adding more value? Answer that and people will keep returning. So, you know, with that, uh, with the ebook sales that I just had, on my landing page hot tips, you know, that, that didn't rely on one page love one bit. That was all Twitter. And I only put it on one page love in the end, just as a link and reference to, to buy it. I don't even have a landing page for that book yet. It's just a Gumroad uh, sales page, but uh, yeah. So I, I guess to answer your question, I want to get to a phase where I'm not reliant on Google at all. I want brand to be strong. I want people to return that they know they're going to get good inspiration. I would like some sort of subscription income on the site, uh, maybe a premium sort of community to create recurring income and then just keep adding value, keep adding quality and then not rely on Google. To, to be honest, Google's in a wild place right now. It's just that, you know, those, those organic results that you once wanted in the past are now shifted down quite a bit. We've talking like four paid ads above them. I've seen some, some dark results go to, you know, page two where it's like a graveyard basically. And so if you're relying on Google for your business and full-time income, you have to be, I think, seriously proactive. You have to be on it. And I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to spend my time trying to, is it negate a word, to negotiate Google's changes. I don't want to be relying on them. It's too emotional. Yeah, and it's totally out of your control because even if you create the best content, you, you can get in trouble like examine.com. What happened is really crazy, right? Yeah. They, they really have the best content on supplements and got massive hit. So <laughs> really Google creates a little um, snippet for you and just, you, yeah. you never have to go out. So what is the other side? It was the um, celebrity net worth. I think that was the one. 
Mm. So people were visiting that site by the millions and then the answer was just in Google results. They never had to visit the site anymore. And then it, the traffic dropped considerably. Yeah, nothing you can do about it. <laughs> nothing. Google has all the power. And yeah, you, you mentioned a few times that you talked about selling one page love. And I listened to your indie hacker talk mm -hmm. and you said categorically, no chance, you, you, you won't sell it. You are having too much fun. But then immediately in the audience, someone screamed, everyone has a price. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it's, it's, I feel like, you know, creating the number is not a healthy place to go, but you know, what I want out this life and, you know, do I want a thick lump sum of money? And then what I do, buy a house with a sea view and then, and then what, you know? So I, I like the fact that, okay, let's use this. Use, I think I use this in the talk as well. Let's use this as an example is that, you know, what if you bought Bitcoin at, you know, $100 or $10 and, and you're sitting there with like 50 Bitcoin, you know, like what, what, what is next? You know, like what is that point? You know, your whole journey online was just trying to create cool things. And then now you have just millions of dollars in the bank and it's like, what's the point? So The actual struggle and the, the middle, like I like to talk about it, you know, it sort of maybe keeps you humble as well. And you forever learning, you interacting with other people, you know, like yourself, you know, if I had, you know, all that Bitcoin right now, we wouldn't be chatting at all. And it's the journey. It's about like, I don't know the answer and I'm just trying to enjoy every single day and my life's rich, but I'm quite certain if you have a lump sum of money, a lot of it will be shallow and hollow, but I know this sounds weird. I'm just trying to like for the thought exercise here, but if someone was like, you know, here's, you know, a million dollars for one page love, then you have a million dollars. And then it's like my whole journey stops. So maybe once one page love gets to the point where I'm having so much fun on the other side projects that I can probably do without it. And like, cool, I'll take a million dollars, you know, but right now I'm still growing it. I'm still trying to grow my communities. I'm still interacting with people. Like the fact that I just launched the ebook this year, it was so motivating for me. I was creative again. I made an ebook. I made an audio book. That's it. Like I die, I die next week. And I'm like, that was a, that was such a good uh, work experience I had. So yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I just feel like I, maybe I'm so self-aware in the sense that I overthink everything that if I had, too much time and space to think I would just go mad where right now every day I know what I have to do I'm in the middle so I'm not overthinking and maybe a sale of one page love would put me in a worse headspace I guess that's the answer yeah I totally understand that because just this week I got my first acquisition offer so I'm, I'm really new in the game and I know nothing about this kind of stuff though but I launched my first paid product and got my first I, I saw it and you're yeah. you're already on a, a, a thousand dollars monthly recurring revenue yeah yeah that's and that's absolutely wild here for how fast you got there i agree Congrats. <laughs> didn't expect it and the offer was was really cool so i was seriously thinking about it but then really came to similar conclusions as you did like i'm not finished here i i want to grow it i want to use it to learn and even if it makes sense from a monetary point of view This is not why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's lots of variables there. And like, you know, in your case, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with all the other projects you're doing and like, you know, where you are with freelance and so on. But, you know, sometimes I guess it is a good time 
you know, if you have no, you know, heart in the project, but I think you had fun building this and it's like, you know, you know, 1000 recurring, you know, could be 2000 recurring in like six months time. And then that deal is a very different deal. So like if you're in no rush to sell and you still, you just started this thing and you, and then the darkness uh, creeps in and then you'll say like, Oh my word, what if like there's, there's a bounce rate, people don't subscribe anymore. And then no one offers me, it doesn't matter because you had fun building it and that's the right answer. So you did the right thing, not selling in my opinion, but uh, I don't know all the other variables. No, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. So I, I was really uncertain if I'm doing the right thing because I have zero experience with this kind of thing, but I'm not in desperate need of some lump sum of money. So I'm not doing any freelancing. I'm really doing it full time. So, but I'm not working full time. I'm learning full time is what I call it. Okay. So Brilliant. Do, Good attitude. Because I finished my PhD a while ago and then I decided mm. I don't want to get this regular kind of job like all my friends. <laughs> I still want to uh, want to learn something new because what I learned, I studied physics. Yeah, you can't do that outside of the academic world. So I had to change in any case. So, but I didn't want to pivot into some normal job, and this is why I decided to start <laughs> my own learning experiment. Was was this your first uh, monetization attempt? Yeah. Wow, that's. I mean. Oh, this is almost a dangerous, um, That's yeah, it, yeah. It's like, yeah, just, I mean, you got to just congrats, dude, you saw something great, but you know, not everyone's going to go like this, not to dampen the moment, but uh, yeah, just enjoy it, dude. Enjoy it. Seriously. Enjoy the moment. This is, this is very, this is very good. And also I mean, it's interesting because, you know, let's step aside to talk about the Yo podcast where I integrate punk rock and music and sound effects. So people, you know, that's my, upbringing of you know joyful music playing in a band designing youtube show it all added there so all your background all the little variables i'm talking physics mba everything added to your success here you it's just everything fell into place at this time so yeah it's just you, you take a moment to think about that as well and like would you like to do this again you know in something else now you have one that can fund the other so it's like, that's also interesting. You now have a thousand dollars every month that you don't have to do freelance and it allows more time. Whereas maybe you would sell the project and then you'd land up buying a car or something. I mean, people make a mistake big time. Like you now have a layer of freedom that can create more things exactly like this. So yeah, I wouldn't sell no ways. Anyway, dude, I can't <laughs> Perfect. Like this is exactly what I want to do. I just wanted to use it for experiments. This is really, and I'm not expecting to have this kind of success <laughs> like with the next kind, next project. So I have, uh, I will launch new projects and won't expect anything because this is not why I'm doing it. So I'm just cool. wanting good to, <laughs> I'm just hoping to Very learn. Good. Luckily, as I said, so my living expenses are really low. I, <laughs> I don't need much and I don't have a car. So, <laughs> and I don't have a, an even car dreams like <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, you don't need a car in Germany. You need a car in South Africa for sure. But, you know, this whole, I mean, they call it runway, you know, for startups and so on. And it's the same for making online. So if you can sort of, you know, if your expenses are just say 2000 euro a month, just say maximum, if you could sort of save 12 months or you know 24 months, that's like a real crazy good position to take massive risks. You know, when you have the wife, the kids, the expenses, the cars and stuff, 
you must use this as, as your advantage. So like how many people really deep in the game would do anything for no expenses and a thousand recurring? You need to, like you're in a very, like in a chess game, you like, you, <laughs> you're a queen right now. Yeah, I know. Good stuff. <laughs> now, now I need to play my card right. Even, even if I crash it into the wall, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but awesome. seriously, though, this is where, this is the time when you got to like do something for you. Like just do something fun. Like this is like when I would start the, the your YouTube show. It's like just for fun, man. Stimulation. I have to say, I really admire that you're someone who carved out his own path. In real life, I know no one who's done this. So it's really important for people like me that someone like you shares this story just to show that it's possible and that even if it's a long journey. But for real, it's like you need to also surround yourself with people that have done it. You know, I do that here in Cape Town. You know, yesterday I ventured out of my little cave in the south of Cape Town to, to a friend who's similar and we just, you know, had lunch. And that's super important. I know you're saying, but you, you, there will be people like yourself in your town. You've got to find them. But online, at least online, you chat to them because you need to remind yourself this life is possible. And there's so much cliche stuff that's, that's going around and there's so much quick money talk in our space. But it's all about like, can I create some sort of income that can just allow me to keep building and keep learning? And like, if your focus is there, I don't think you're going to go too wrong on your path. Awesome. So yeah, thanks a lot and have a nice day. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks for having me.